and we had the border the most secure, they say, in 20 years. But really, I think from the beginning, it's never been like this. We built almost 500 miles of wall, and it was new wall. You know, they like to say renovation. It was, the renovation was we knocked down the old wall and we built a new wall, and then they say they call it a renovation. Uh, but this was new wall and, and incredible wall that was, you know, really did a job. In addition to that, Mexico worked great with us. We had a tremendous relationship, and me with the president, who's a tremendous person, and they gave us 28,000 free, 28,000 soldiers along our border, and they stopped people from coming in. And what you're doing now and what you're seeing now is inhumane. These children and people are a tremendous number of children, by the way, but they're living on top of each other in squalor. This is squalor. That's why they won't allow the press to come in. We let the press go in. And we had much smaller numbers, frankly, because people couldn't come up. But we let the press come in. But they're living in very dangerous conditions. There's no testing for COVID-19, as we call it sometimes. Sometimes we call it something else. But uh, there's no testing. There's no nothing. And What's going on is just absolutely insane. It's a horrible situation. And everyone that's seen it, nobody's seen worse. Nobody's seen anything like it. And if you get cameras inside some of those facilities, you would see children on top of children, and you'd see filth, and you'd see things that you would not believe possible. Well, I want to I move on to a claim that uh, Biden made about your administration's treatment of the migrant children. Watch. If an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump. I'm not going to do it. He was accusing you of starving people who were wanting yeah. to come across the, the Rio Grande or the border to the United States. Your reaction? Well, first of all, it's just the opposite. But by the time we finished what we were doing, very few people were coming up because they knew they weren't going to get through. Uh, we stopped catch and release, which was a disaster. That's where you catch somebody, take their name, and release them into our country. We stopped that. Uh, they were supposed to come back years later and go to court, but nobody ever comes back and goes to court. And the very biggest thing was we had the stay in Mexico policy, and that means that we wouldn't allow people to wait in our country until they were totally checked out, which most of them didn't get checked out. And they would go back to their own country uh, if young kids were with parents. But a lot of times they weren't, and we would take care of them. But uh, it, it is what they are doing now is outrageous, and they should finish the wall. If they finish the wall, they'd be able to have a lot. Pe you know, a lot of people are right now staying in the few openings. We have openings in the wall that were going to be closed up. Could have been done over the next month if it weren't for the fact that we got sued eleven times many of the suits by Congress and people in Congress and Democrats, uh, we would have had the wall. It, it was almost completed, but we would, it took two and a half years to get the final sign-offs from the court victories that we had. We had great court victories, but uh, they sued us for two and a half years, and they were suing us on the financing, on the uh, environment, on lots of things. We won the lawsuits, and we built almost 500 miles. They should immediately yeah. seal it up and finish it up and you would see a lot of a lot of good things happen, but uh, nobody knows exactly what they're doing, Mr. Nobody President. What knows. was your what was your just general reaction to the way Biden handled the uh, so-called press conference today? You know, he 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 read quite a bit from reference notes, um, but he did he did take some questions 
Uh, it was unusual, to say the least. Well, they were strange questions, and they were asked in a very uh, interesting way. It was like softballs, like you're throwing softballs up. And it's just a different world. It's, uh, nobody's seen anything like it. You know it. You know it better than anybody. You cover it so well. And it's uh, it's very sad to watch, actually. They're, they're feeding him questions. They're easy questions. I noticed Peter Ducey didn't get to ask a question today. And uh, there could be no difficult questions. Uh, and they're ready to rip the microphone away if somebody did get a little bit testy. Uh, and, you know, he just looked. The whole thing is ridiculous. You know it, and so do I. Well, where was there? Where you know was there, Jim Acosta? The so do Mr. I, Mr. President. Where was there, Jim Acosta? I mean, uh, uh, they'd have Acosta well, like in your face every day, they don't, and others they like. They don't have that, yeah. But and if Jim Acosta were there, he'd ask very uh, soft questions. It would be a whole different thing. The Democrats uh, are also, look, yeah. The Democrats are also saying that uh, a problem here is that. Apparently, America is not sending enough U.S. taxpayer dollars to Central America um, to solve or alleviate this border crisis. Here was Nancy Pelosi today. The president, then president, had withdrawn the money that was allocated for the Northern Triangle. Now, that was a mistake, and we have to restore that. They withdrew the money to punish those countries. Mr. President, did you withdraw money from Central America to punish them? Absolutely, that's right. I, on that, I agree with her. First time in a long time, years, that I've agreed with her. We were paying them $500 million a year. Nobody knew what they were doing with the money. And they were sending criminals to our country. You know, when they're sending people in the caravans, as we call them, uh, they're not exactly their finest, okay? And more importantly, perhaps, is that they wouldn't take it as we would, because ISIS was incredible, the job they did, and Border Patrol, incredible. These are incredible men and women. When we got somebody, we captured a bad MS-13 or group, we'd bring them back to the country, and they wouldn't take them. And I said, what are we doing? How much money do we give them? We pay them $500 million a year. I said, stop paying the money immediately. We stopped paying. They called the following day. They said, we'd love to have MS-13 come back into our country. Please send them immediately, and we will not be sending any more bad people. And we then got along very well with them. So she's absolutely right. They abused us in so many different ways. They wouldn't take prisoners and murderers back, and we didn't want them in our country. So we'd bring them back. They wouldn't take them. I stopped paying the $500 million that we were wasting on giving it to them. As soon as I did that, they immediately agreed to take back everybody. They said it would be a great honor to take them back. I Please send them attention. immediately. Yeah. Uh, Mr. President, today NBC News reporting that the DHS, of course, created it was created after 9-11 to protect America from international terrorism. Now, they're moving toward what Intel officials are now saying is the new top threat, domestic violent extremism that includes apparently surveilling social media. One, uh, here's what they mean. There's a quote from the article. The idea is to identify people who may, through their social media behavior, be prone to influence by toxic messaging spread by foreign governments, terrorists, and domestic extremists. Mr. President, their DHS is going after uh, people who may be your supporters, who they believe are domestic extremists because they say things like, let's take back our government. Are you concerned about that? What I'm concerned about is Antifa 
and BLM and some of the horrible things that we witnessed over the last, frankly, long period of time, when they take over Portland and they take over the courthouse and they destroy the building, you have to see what they've done to the building over the years. And just over the last few weeks, they've been having massive riots and other things in Portland. And even the crazy mayor, this mayor is just absolutely, he's a radical left and he can't take it anymore. He's actually said he can't take it anymore. There, You have to see what the streets of Portland look like. They've been burning the city down and nobody does anything about it. And they don't go after those people, but they go after people that I guess you'd call them uh, lean toward the right. And they wave American flags. In many cases, they're waving the American flag, and they love our country. And those people, they're arresting them by the dozens, but they don't uh, go after Antifa, who kill people, by the way, who burn down our cities. Look at what they did to Seattle. They took over a big partial of land in Seattle, a big, a big portion of the city. And had I not gotten the National Guard ready to go in. We were going in the following morning. They just gave up the land. The same thing in Minnesota. In Minneapolis, they took over the city. Had we not gotten the National Guard in there, uh, it was you would not have Minneapolis anymore. It would have been burned down to the ground. Are you Those concerned? are the ones you have to worry about. Are you concerned that the U.S. Capitol after January 6th uh, has become a fortress protecting... Uh, the capital from the people who are supposed to actually be the ones in charge here, not the people who are, uh, are sitting in the capital surrounding themselves by razor wire. I think it's disgraceful. It looks for the world to watch. Absolutely. It's a political maneuver that they're doing. Uh, it was a zero threat right from the start. It was zero threat. Look, uh, they went in. Uh, they shouldn't have done it. Uh, some of them went in and they're they're hugging and kissing the police and the guards. You know, they they had great relationships. Uh, a lot of the people were waved in and then they walked in and they walked out. And I'll tell you what, they're doing things to those. They're persecuting a lot of those people. And some of them should be, some things should happen to them. But uh, when I look at Antifa in Washington, even when the, what they did to Washington and what they did to other locations and the destruction and frankly, the killing and the beating up of people and nothing happens to them whatsoever. Why aren't they going after Antifa? I watched this gentleman on 60 Minutes the other night. It was horrible what he said. Now, are, you talking about the, now, are you talking about the former prosecutor who's prosecuting yeah, uh, some of the individuals involved knows. in January 6th? But it, right. when you look and back at know what, who I'm talking about, yeah. but he totally sure compromised a, a case. And what he said was so horrible. But they don't talk about Antifa. They don't talk about BLM. They don't talk about any of the other uh, groups that are on the left that are really dangerous, that are very, very dangerous and that truly hate our country. But you would say that people who commit crimes, regardless of what their political affiliations are, should be prosecuted. Your complaint is that yes. the individuals committing the crimes in Portland and Minneapolis, et cetera, are not being prosecuted. I want to clarify that, Mr. President. Absolutely. You, what you said is exactly right. I hope that that's what I said, too. Uh, and they should look, they have everybody has to be treated equally. They go after people on the right and in, in spades, and they don't go after people at all on the left. You look at some of the things that happened. Look at Minneapolis. Look at who was arrested. 
look what happened. They, they let him out immediately. And by the way, a lot of the politicians that you have right now in office were providing bail money for them, getting them out of jail. But they didn't have to worry about it. For the most part, they weren't even put in jail. They took over Seattle, and practically nothing happened to anybody. I mean, they literally took over a big chunk of a major U.S. city, and practically nothing happened to those people. And yet I'm constantly seeing where they're searching out people on the right. It's very unfair to this country, and there's tremendous anger because of what they're doing. There's tremendous I, anger. I want to move um, on to what the Democrats are doing with this H.R. 1 bill. I'm sure you've been following it. That yep. uh, many of us believe would destroy election integrity. Here's Biden justifying it today. Republican legislatures across the country are working to pass bills that would restrict voting. What I'm worried about is how un-American this whole initiative is. It's sick. We'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. Jim Crow? Showing a vote, yeah. showing an ID to vote is, is Jim Crow? Your reaction to that offensive comparison, Mr. President? Well, Jim Crow is their most often used term over the last three weeks. I notice it's constantly being used, but they're trying to get something with no voter ID, no signature verification, send all the ballots you can. You'll never have another fair election in this country, just like if you look at the last election, it was disgraceful. It was a third world election. It was a disgrace. Legislatures didn't approve much of what happened. Our Supreme Court should be ashamed of themselves. Under the Constitution, all of the things that they were doing had to be approved by legislatures and legislatures and ors. And if you take a look at it, the Democrats went to the Republican legislatures. There were five, uh, five of them. And they went to the Republican legislatures, could not get approval, so they did it anyway. That's in total violation of the Constitution. And what they did was uh, absolutely disgraceful. And if you look at the numbers, the numbers were vastly in favor of us in the presidential election. It was disgraceful that they were able to get away with yeah, it. The well, Supreme Ms. Court Ms. didn't have the courage yeah. to well, do what I'm, they had to do. Uh, speaking as a speaking as a lawyer, we're not going to relitigate the past uh, tonight. But speaking as a lawyer, I mean, I think going going forward, I think any candidate running for office has to have an impeccable legal strategy in place before, like long before the election takes place, because a lot of people saw problems coming and verification problems coming, but I don't, I don't think the legal situation was in, uh, in place, and I think that, that hurt everybody along the way. But I want to ask no, you the about... Courts, the courts did no, not want to enforce it. You yeah. know that, Laura. You, um, you know exactly that. And the Supreme Court, when you had Texas and 18 states, the Supreme Court said they don't have standing. The Supreme Court didn't want to hear it. And yeah, a lot of Republicans they on didn't that want Supreme to make Court. a decision like they yeah. know they had to make. Yeah, so lot, they didn't yeah. have the courage to do what they had to do. Well, moving forward, I have to ask you about this embarrassing meeting between Biden officials and the Chinese delegation. We all remember your first meeting uh, with the Chinese uh, officials, including President Xi. But China ends up delivering this major rebuke to the United States, to our faces, essentially saying that we have no standing to lecture them because of our own issues of racism that have been perpetually parroted by Democrats. Did the Chinese ever lecture you or your people about America's racism problem? 
We never had anything like that happen. That was an embarrassment. That was an absolute embarrassment to our country. Uh, I have I could not believe it. I couldn't believe the meeting, even the location, so many different elements of what took place uh, when they started. Uh, and they went on and on and on. You know, they were supposed to have a very short period of time. They went on and uh, it was terrible. But we should have walked out. Nobody ever talked to my group that way. Nobody ever talked to me that way. I can tell you that. And uh, if they did, I would have doubled up the tariffs, which frankly were something we probably should have done anyway. But uh, we took in, I took in billions and billions of do dollars from China. We were bringing businesses back. It was really going well. And China respected us. They never spoke to us the way they spoke would to you this administration. Had, I'm sorry to interrupt, but would you have had Mnuchin, your Treasury Secretary, and your trade rep, Bob Lighthizer, would you have instructed them to walk out of that meeting if on American soil you were talked to like that? They wouldn't have even had to be instructed, but if they didn't walk out, they would have been so instructed, absolutely. They would have left immediately. Mr. President, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you know, so many conservatives complaining about big tech censorship, and especially against right. you. You may have an unlikely, albeit late, ally in this fight. Take a look. If you're asking me, do I feel particularly comfortable that the president, the then president of the United States, could not express his views on Twitter? I don't feel comfortable about that. There are reports that you're going to go start your own social media company. Is that how you uh, plan to fight back against these tech uh, oligarchs? Well, in my case, I have a lot of options because we have 200 million plus followers. We had 36 million just on POTUS. We had 90 million on the different lines we had were tremendously big on Facebook, so we're way over 200 million, and I have a lot of options. But what I'm doing now, I almost like it better. I think I do like it better. I'm getting to a point where I do is we're issuing press releases. We're no longer constrained by a certain number of characters. We're no longer uh, put under, you know, the magnifying glass. And frankly, you do it less, and you can do it better. So I put out statements now from the office of. And the statements are picked up by everybody. I mean, it it actually works better. Now, with that being said, we may open up our own platform, but uh, the putting out of statements, putting out almost you could call them a press release when I have something to say to talk to a lot of people, it gets to everybody. It gets to everybody on Twitter. It gets to everybody on Facebook. It gets to everybody. It's been very effective. Do you feel like you have a lot more time on your hands without being on Twitter so much? I mean, I, when I stopped doing Twitter, Twitter. Twi yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> Actually, okay. I do. It's very <laughs> true. And I don't have to be so careful with every word. You know, if I put a comma in the wrong place, it becomes like, he doesn't know proper English. You, you have no idea. It's You have much more time. And actually, you you can really steer something and focus something on what's very important. It really is very good. And, uh, you know, Twitter has become very boring. I don't know if you know, a lot of people are leaving Twitter. It's become very, very boring. And I've heard it from so many different people. So we're off and a lot of other people are off and a lot of people are just leaving. It's become a very boring deal. I have a friend who recently saw you and said that he had never... He had never seen you as relaxed, and you were actually having fun. And not that you weren't having fun at the White House, but you were having fun, and you were laughing. 
So what is it like? Just what is it like being out of the White House? Obviously, you'd prefer to be in the White House, but just personally, how is the decompression going? Well, I'm enjoying it, and I'm still working very hard in so many different ways. But, you know, I must tell you, I am enjoying it. But what I really enjoy is doing good things for this country. And we were doing things like nobody's done. I don't think anybody's done the kind of if you look at what we accomplished with the largest tax cuts in history, largest regulation cuts in history, that's why we created this great base and this great foundation where our country came back so much stronger. You know, they used to say Germany and all these other countries in Europe. Well, you look at them. They're all locked down. They're shut down. And the virus is hitting them hard. And the vaccine isn't doing well. They're not getting. Now, you know, we came up with the vaccine that was done with my administration and, frankly, me. The FDA is not in love with me because I pushed them at a level that they've never been pushed. But we got a vaccine in nine months, Laura, and it was supposed to take five years. Fauci said it's probably never going to happen. I mean, Fauci was saying three years, four years, five years. A lot of people said 12 years. And I got it done in nine months. And it's, uh, you know, it's really a, a great accomplishment. Speaking of, Fauci, very proud of it. speaking of Fauci, do you regret giving him so much power early on? Now, look, I got along with him fine, but I didn't listen to him too much because he said, don't close it up to China. And I did very early. Don't close it up to Europe. You know, we had the problem with Italy and France. And I did. I closed it up to Europe very, very early. Uh, he said, uh, don't wear masks. Masks don't work. They're no good. No good. I mean, you know, think of what you look at his the way I look at it. You saw him throw out the first pitch in Washington, right? He is a yeah. better pitcher than he is at what he does, but he's a great promoter. But I got along with him. It was right. But if you really look, I didn't really listen to him too much because I was doing the opposite of what he was saying. But, I mean, frankly, if he were known as somebody that was with me all the way, he wouldn't be popular with the media. It's, he's just a media creation. And finally, I want to move on. Um, final question about Biden's plans for the future. Watch. Have you decided whether you are going to run for re-election in 2024? You haven't set up a re-election campaign yet, as your predecessor had by this time. <laughs> My predecessor need to, needed to. <laughs> My predecessor. Oh, God, I miss it. Um, no, the answer is yes. My plan is to run for re-election. That's my expectation. Your thoughts on what Biden would look like running again in a few years? And well, I think it's you. a great question for him. That's just like all the other questions. They were all softballs. And that's a really nice question because you're sort of forgetting everything that's taken place over the last uh, number of weeks and number of months. And you see what I see and everybody sees it and the press doesn't report it and they understand it just as well as we do. It's uh, it's a crazy life we're leading right now, but that's OK. Have you it ever fallen over? Out. But they can't, they can't be allowed to destroy our country. And at the southern border, they're destroying our country. And gasoline prices are going up. We, we are energy independent. I created that. We have never been energy independent. We are now energy independent. But in another couple of months, we won't be. And take a look at what's happening to the price of gasoline. It's up over a dollar. That's like a big tax increase to people. That's the same thing, equivalent and even greater than a big tax increase. It's terrible. What's happening is terrible. Well, I just, I just thought of one other thing. A dear, another dear friend of mine asked me to ask you this, because he happens to be uh, of color, okay? That's how he described it, of right. color. And he said, yeah. I've never seen a Republican work harder 
I'm paraphrasing, for minority votes, as this prior president did, referring to you. And yet they trash him and they call, and the left, racist, he's racist, he's racist. How does that personally feel to you, given the fact that you did better among minority voters in this last election than anyone ever predicted, and I believe record-setting, yet they continued to do that? Why do they do that, and how do, personally does that feel to you? So I did criminal justice reform, which Obama and Biden could not get done. They failed miserably. I did opportunity zones, and I created the best unemployment numbers in, the hist in our history for African-American workers and also for Hispanic and Asian and everybody else and women, everybody. But I created the best numbers in history. And I did do, I, I did fantastically well with Hispanic, as you know, I did great with, with African-American, we did great with Asian, we did great. But uh, they use that, they use the race card all the time, not just with me, anytime they can't answer a question, they throw out the race card. That's the way it's been. And frankly, Laura, as you know better than anybody, it's the way it's been for a long time. When they can't get you on something, they throw out the race card. But it's a different world right now. And we did things that nobody thought could be done. You know, criminal justice reform was a very, very big thing. And I guess Biden tried. I know Obama tried. They couldn't get anywhere. I got it done. Mr. President, thank you so much for spending time with our audience tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Laura.